All right, so for the first time in a long time, I don't tell you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings. Instead, we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians. So 2 Thessalonians, this is on page 988 in uh, the hardback black Bibles around you. And um, while you're getting there, you know, obviously this week is Thanksgiving. And so my family will be traveling to Georgia. And when we get there, it'll be a, for Sarah, maybe a little bit striking. For me, not at all. For the kids, a little bit striking too. But accents are accentuated. They are louder. They are stronger. And um, Sarah will tell you, when we first met, when, you know, 1997, we were freshmen in college at Georgia Tech. She was coming from Colorado. I was coming from the farm in Georgia. My accent was extremely thick. Um, through, and y'all may say it still is, but it's really not, through, you know, living eight years in Atlanta, three years in the Research Triangle of North Carolina, and then here in the suburbs for, gosh, uh, 11 years, it's kind of, you know, um, lightened a little bit. But when we go back to Georgia, by no fault of my own, it just returns. It's, it's almost like, I think, people can understand me better. It's like I'm, I'm going back to a new language that they can understand me better when I lay it on a little thick, but I, I don't mean to. It just, it just happens, right? But accents, what accents are, I mean, they tell you very much kind of where you're from, right? So you hear someone talk, you're like, yep, they're from the South. You hear Chris Gangon talk, you know he's from New York because you just can't, I mean, it's just like that. Wherever you go, you, hear, you can kind of hear people, you know, uh, where they're from. That's what accents do. Accents tell us a little bit about where we're from. And so when we go home, my accent will come on thick. As soon as I get around my cousins, it, it just does. It's my home accent. This week I read a quote that just kind of stood, uh, stayed with me all week long. Here's what it says. Grumbling is the accent of hell. And gratitude is the accent of heaven. Grumbling is the accent of hell, and gratitude is the accent of heaven. Our accents show where we come from. And it's a fruit that comes out of being connected to the vine. And so just like my accent grows thicker when I get around my cousins and my family in Georgia, so our accents should grow thicker the more we are around the things of God and have our minds and our hearts set on the things of heaven. And so this morning with Thanksgiving coming, I want to kind of talk about that idea, this, this idea of an accent of heaven that we are to have. And to do this, we're going to do something I don't do a whole lot, which is just look at one verse. We're not going to look at, we've been in, you know, all right, five chapters. One little verse, couple of words. And again, it's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. It's so short, we're actually going to have it on the screen today. 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Contextually, before I even read it to you, or you, you already have, but contextually, what's going on in 1 Thessalonians 15... 1 Thessalonians 5, this is probably the first letter that Paul ever wrote that, that at least we have a record of and is part of the canon of Scripture. And here at the end of chapter 5, just like we often do when you're writing a letter, he's just peppering like final thoughts. And it almost reads like bullet points. 
And so starting in verse 17, he's like, bullet point one, rejoice always. Bullet point two, pray without ceasing. Bullet point three, in everything, give thanks. And this morning is that bullet point we're going to focus in on. And so you can read it with me there. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Now, when you read that, it sounds like very churchy, right? I mean, this is what you expect when you come to church. This sounds good. This sounds right. This sounds biblical. You know you came to church today when you read a verse like this. But this command is unbelievably hard. Giving thanks in all circumstances? I mean, giving thanks when things are going well, that makes sense. I understand that. It's something that's sometimes easy to do when things are going well. But when your life is hard... Does God really expect us to be thankful then? That's the command. And so those short, this little verse packs a punch. A difficult one on the one hand. But as we keep going forward, I hope you also see a beautiful one at the same time. And I pray that we would see that beautiful one. Emphasis on the we because all the verbs here are plural. This is written to the church. And so, yes, we need to receive this individually. Absolutely, yes. But not just individually, also corporately as a church, a covenant community. And so this little verse here, out of this, I want to show you three things as it relates to this accent of heaven, as it relates to this accent of thanksgiving. And they're all like pretty clear in here. You can... You can divide this verse into three sections. You have a what, you have a why, and you have a how. You have a what, you have a why, you have a how. And so let's look at like what exactly it is that we're being commanded to do here, why we're being commanded to do this, and how we are to do this. Because as we just discussed, it's, it can be really, 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 really hard. And so what, why, and how. And so number one, What are we to do? And look at the screen, the first part. Give thanks in all circumstances. This is the what. This is what we are to do. And again, it's a command. And God, through the Apostle Paul, is telling us that in every circumstance, every circumstance of our life, we are to be thankful. We're to be thankful to be able to gather in here. We're to be thankful on Thursday in a reunion of family and friends with lots of food. If that's something that you're going to be able to do, we should be thankful then. We should be thankful when things are good. Relationships, work, job, school, sports, academics, hobbies, sanctification, your kids, the, ch- the church, evangelism. Like We should be thankful when things are good. But our thankfulness does not end there. It goes way beyond. What this verse, this verse is talking about, like our global attitude, like our general attitude, disposition, is to be thankful, give thanks in all circumstances. And so Paul's saying like globally, our thanksgiving, though perhaps prompted, you know, time here and there and here and there by 
specific things God does in our life, gifts He gives to us, blessings. We praise God for those. Praise God for those from whom all blessings flow. But our what you know globally, our thanksgiving isn't to be controlled by our circumstances. It's not to be controlled by our circumstances. And this is what makes Christian thanksgiving distinctively Christian. Its source isn't circumstances. The source of our thanksgiving is Christ. His person and work, His promises and plan, His goodness and grace. That's our source of thanksgiving in all circumstances. And therefore, in every circumstance, good or bad, we're to give thanks. Now, that said, I need to make sure you don't miss something. All right? make, I want to make sure that you don't miss what Paul is not saying and see what he is saying. And so when you look at the screen, and I point that way because I've got it on the back, you can look this way. When he says give thanks, like note, Paul does not say give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances. That is a big difference. God does not say give thanks for all circumstances. He says give thanks in all circumstances. There are some things in your life that you go through or that you see others you love go through or just others in the world that you don't know go through that we should not give thanks for. And when you're on the re receiving end of some injustice, some evil, something someone purposefully did to you or your family to harm you or your loved ones, God is not asking, He is not commanding you to give thanks for that. He's opposed to sin, right? But He is asking you to be thankful even in the midst of it. And so, do you have things in your life for which you are not thankful? I do. There's things that have happened I'm not really thankful for, but I am to be thankful in them. Now, is there some tragedy in your life, some circumstance, some failure to achieve a lifetime goal, or maybe even a short-time goal, is your life just not turning out how you expected it to or how you wanted it to? Are you living in physical pain? Are your relationships strained? Or is a relationship strained? Estranged from someone? God's not calling you to necessarily be thankful for that. But He is calling you to be thankful in that. Across all of our men's and women's group this semester, uh, and in next semester, we are reading a book by Paul Miller called The J-Curve, and it's really just a book on sanctification. It's what the whole thrust of the book is. But in that, he spends a lot of time, and a lot of time early on in the first couple of chapters, talking about Joni Erickson Tata, who is a quadriplegic, um, she's battling cancer as well, uh, currently, but injured in a diving accident decades and decades and decades ago, leaving her a quadriplegic for life. And throughout the book, 
And I'm sure, because she's a wordsmith, she's got some great, you know, quote that goes along with it. <clears throat> but just throughout the book, you can just catch the flavor that she's not thankful for the fact that she hit her head, broke her neck, and became a quadruple. She's not thankful for that. But in the midst of that, she is so thankful for what God has done in her, through her, and for her. And so we're not to necessarily be thankful for all circumstances, but we are to be thankful in all circumstances. But why? Why? Why is God calling you to be thankful in every circumstance? That's number two this morning. We're to be thankful in every circumstance. Why? For this is the will of God for you. So the why, we also kind of get a who here. Who? This is, like, who, who's to do this? You are. I am. We are. Look at the verse. For this is the will of God. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God. And then the last two verses, for you. This is, this is us. And so why? Because it's the will of God. Sometimes I'll, I'll talk to people and they'll be like, Joe, what, you know, what do you think God's will for my life is? And you know, let's talk about that. Let's pray about that. Let's, let, let's, let's seek counsel about that. Let's talk through a lot, of, a lot of things, a lot of good ways to kind of think through that. But, you know, one of the things is you want to pray about it. We don't have to pray about this one. It is clear what is God's will for your life. It is God's will that you be that I be thankful. That is God's will for my life. Early on in First Thessalonians, it says uh, sanctification. That is God's will for our life. And so notice, again, this isn't give thanks in all circumstances. This isn't a suggestion. This is a command. What is not doing a command? Sin. It's sin. And so to not live a thankful life, to live with an accent of hell, grumbling, instead of the accent of heaven, gratitude, is sin. And so one of the reasons we give thanks in all circumstances is quite frankly because God said to. Because He's God. He has authority over us. He does. Because he's God. And so, I mean, it's almost like a parent in a lot of ways. You have a kid, you know, somebody gives something to your kid, your child, and what do you tell them to do? What do you say? Right? Why? Well, because we don't want to grow up to be spoiled brats. And God doesn't want us to be spoiled brats. More than that, he wants us to be thankful. He wants to be flavored with the accent of heaven. And so one of the reasons is just because God said to, but there's, there's two more things I want you to see here that are much more than just God said to, so you need to do it. You read through the book of Psalms. I read one, Psalm 107, just a minute ago. But you read through all the book of Psalms. I mean, it just loads up reason after reason after reason after reason after reason to give thanks to God. And we're to be thankful to God for He's good. His love endures forever. We're to be thankful that though He is sovereign and almighty, all-powerful over all things, He is also, like, he's, he's good as well. 
He's not a tyrant. He's good and he's kind and he's gracious and he's loving and he's caring and he's merciful. And the Psalms teaches us that he watches over us. He protects us. He spares us. He redeems us. And I want to emphasize again, and he loves us. Do you understand that God loves you? Sovereign, almighty, all-powerful, though you're a sinner, in Christ loves you, sent Jesus to the cross for you so that you can be redeemed back to Him, adopted into the family of God, doted on, sung over, as Zephaniah puts it. God loves you. We're to be thankful. Yes, indeed, give thanks to the Lord, our God and King. His love endures forever. So Psalms piles up all these reasons, and yet I think there's one more that's kind of hinted at in this verse. I think part of the reason that it is the will of God that we give thanks in everything is because part of God's grand design is to create a joyful, rejoicing people. God's not after our beat-down, begrudging, shriveled-up, shrill, ungrateful, miserly obedience. He doesn't want that to be the flavor of His people. He's not after beat-down, begrudging submission. Over and over, it will be in Ephesians in the new year. It talks about, for the praise of His glorious grace. And so since He's seeking the praise of His glorious grace... Seeking praise, that means he's not after submission. He's after our glory in him. Very much our mission statement. We exist to worship and enjoy God and lead others to do that. You can't worship God if you don't like him. What is the chief end of man? Westminster Catechism. And we would glorify and enjoy God forever. And so God's not after this, you know, after us being a group of people, beat down, begrudging, miserly. One author puts it this way. His grand conspiracy in the work of redemption is to enlarge our hearts and to show the world what humanity was intended to be in the first place. And the very first thing humanity ought to have been in view of the greatness of the Creator's gift to us was thankful. Joy-filled, rejoicing. Friends, this is what God is after in us. And so even though we live in a fallen world where there's a lot of things that we are not to be thankful for, those should not overshadow in our experience the things for which we ought to be profoundly thankful. Bubbling over in rejoicing. For this is the will of God for us. It's good news that God wants to fill all of us with a large heart of thankfulness. And thankfulness comes from seeing His glory and what He has done for us and in us and through us. It's an accent of heaven. And it's one of the distinguishers. I mean, this is written to the church. It's one of the distinguishers of those who belong to the Lord. Thankfulness. And so why are we to give thanks in all circumstances? Because it's God's will. 
And God's will is always yes for His glory, but also for our ever-increasing and eternal good and joy. That's why we're to give thanks. But now we kind of come to the crux of it. How? How do we do this? This is easy when it's, things are good, but how do we do this when it's hard? How are we to give thanks in every circumstance? Like when they are bad, when circumstances are bad, how do you obey this? Some of you may be sitting there even thinking, Joe, how in the world can you, you know, preach this? You don't understand my circumstance. I don't. You're right. I may not. And I may not understand all the circumstances in which God is calling you to give thanks, to be thankful. For some of you, praise God, I, I, I have an inkling maybe because I know you. Elders pray for you. But I may not know how great of a challenge it is for you to give thanks. And folks, it's the same way if we reverse it. You may not know how hard of a challenge it is for me to give thanks in things. But the apostle tells us how. And it's in three words, right in the middle. How do we do this? How do we give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God? In Christ Jesus. That's how. We do it in Christ Jesus. It is only in and through Jesus Christ that we are able to give thanks in every circumstance. He's the way, right? John 14, 6, he is the way. And also he shows us the way that we are to do this. And so if you have your Bible open or one of the black hardback ones with you, flip to the left a little bit to Luke chapter 22. Let's look at Jesus. He is the way and he shows us the way that we give thanks in all circumstances. And so flip to Luke chapter 22. What's going on is this is in the upper room. This is at the Last Supper. Page 882 in the black hardback ones around you. Luke 22. Verse 19, upper room, last supper, Jesus has just kind of closed out the last ever Passover. Verse 19, is he's bridging the gap to the first ever Lord's Supper. Verse 19, and he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, if you have a background in the church, the, that's a pretty familiar phrase. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in just a moment. But look at the beginning of that. I think, I think we gloss over that a little bit. And he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. All right, now, Sunday school time for just a minute. All right, so that means you talk back to me for, for a minute. What is another? Give me a couple of other words for the Lord's Supper. Communion. Yep, that's one that we use sometimes, even in the bulletin. Give me another one. 
Who said it? Eucharist. Eucharist, in the back. If I had a Snickers, I'd throw it to you, all right? <laughs> and I should have brought one. That would have been funny. Eucharist. That's another word for the word supper. It's used a lot of times. Uh, I mean, Greek Orthodox always call it the Eucharist. Catholics call it the Eucharist a good bit as well. And where that word comes from is a good word. Maybe we'll put that in the bulletin next time. It's a good word. It's a proper word. It's a fitting word. And where that word comes from is it comes from the word thanks here in verse 19. The, the Greek word thanks is eucharisteo. Eucharisteo. And if you break that word apart into and get at its roots, you've got eucharisteo. And as the Hummels will tell you, Charis, because that's the name of one of their children, means grace. And so embedded in this idea of thanksgiving, you have the word charis, you have grace. All right, so enveloping thanksgiving is grace, charis. But this word also holds in its derivative the Greek word kara, which means joy. Joy. Kara, joy. So embedded in this one word, Eucharisteo, you have three major ideas. Charis, grace. Eucharisteo, the whole thing, thanksgiving. And kara, joy. So grace, thanksgiving, and joy. Okay? Now, keep that in mind and think about what Jesus' thanksgiving, his Eucharisteo, meant when he is giving thanks to the Lord here in verse 19 Jesus is basically saying thank you father that my body symbolized by this bread is about to be brutally broken and I am about to bear the fury of your wrath so that you will receive glory in being able to forgive undeserving sinners. And I will share eternally full joy with billions of forgiven sinners made righteous through my sacrifice. That's Jesus' prayer. That's his Eucharisteo. That's what he's giving thanks for. And so notice here, in Jesus' thanksgiving... It is not based on his present circumstance. Right? I mean, he is about to endure the worst possible horror. Beaten, scourged, hung on a cross. Mocked, and that's all the visible things, let alone the invisible fury of God against all sin for all time, born in his body as he hung on the tree. And so Jesus' thanksgiving to the Father was based upon the grace and the glory that was coming because of the cross. And this gave him joy and a reason to say thank you. Jesus' Eucharisteo was fueled by his belief in future grace. Hebrews 12.1 Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. 
And so note this. Jesus' eyes were focused on future joy. He got through the cross by not focusing on the cross, but on the promised joy that would result from it. And friends, that's where God wants our eyes, our focus to be as well. On the future joy that He has promised you. A joy that is undefiled, joy and hope that is undefiled, imperishable, and kept in heaven for you by God. A future joy where you will have the free gift of complete forgiveness for all your sins extending into forever. Where you never have to merit your justification by keeping the law. You will have all your needs provided while on earth. Like we have some of these things we have now, some of these things we will have. We focus on these things. You will receive all the grace that you need at all times so that you will abound in every good work God has for you. God will complete, Philippians 1, the work that He has begun in you. You will be raised from the dead and never ever die again. Which means that someday soon you will see Jesus. And you will be with Him and you will be like Him. And in that day you will know for the first time unpolluted joy. And you will be completely free from all corruption. You will have God forever as your exceeding joy. We have, of all people, the most reason to be thankful. And these things are just a small sampling. I mean, do you realize, like you think through it a little bit, that the joy set before you is in many, 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 many ways the same joy Jesus had set before Him because you are an heir. If you are in Christ, you are an heir of the kingdom with Him. Unbelievable. But yeah, right here, today, here and now, we'll walk out of these doors, we'll read the news, we'll... Remember our own lives. And in the here and now, in this day, you will have trouble. And that's okay. Jesus said you would. And Jesus really, really understands. Hebrews 4.15, we have a sympathetic high priest. He's been here. He's lived it. He's tasted it. So we'll have trouble. And yet, Romans 8.31 What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us all, how will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. Then who's to condemn Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
Shall tribulation, all these hard things that we face when we go out of these, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword as it is written. For your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We regard it as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure, as we face this day and we look to our future door, joy, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friends, hold on to that. And look to the joy set before you. Look to joy set before you. So when you keep your eyes there, when you keep your eyes on Jesus, there's no circumstance that can steal your eternal thanksgiving. Now you set your joy in something else, one phone call, it's over. You set your joy in Christ, there's nothing that can take it. Not death, not life, not angels, not rulers, anything else in all creation. And so may we turn our eyes upon Jesus. May we look full in his wonderful face. And see that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. That's how we give thanks in all circumstances. And so this week I pray that you will have a happy Thanksgiving. I pray that it will be filled with Eucharisteo, grace and thanksgiving and joy. And I pray that our accents of heaven will be loud and clear in a watching world. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, as we come now to a time of remembering your sacrifice for our sins. And looking forward to a time of thanksgiving this week. May you make us truly thankful. May we be marked by an accent of heaven. May we see your grace. May we feel our undeserved, just how we're undeserving of salvation, of your love, how we're undeserving of redemption and forgiveness. And may in that humility it melt our hearts afresh in wonder and awe. Of the love that you have and that you've shown. Though we have spit in your face and despised you. 
and chosen over and over and over to worship other things. Sin is what we do when we are not satisfied in you. And so, Father, lead us to repentance and help us to turn and while grieving our sin, also turning from our grieving to rejoicing because in Christ Jesus, we are forgiven. We are washed. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul.